right, we're back. Welcome to episode nine of the Mind Soul Connection. My name is Jamie Blaustein. I'm your host and CEO of the Sylvia Brathman Mental Health Center, here with my fellow co-founder, Ben Brathman. How are you, Ben? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is fantastic. Good. It's yeah. Good day. We're getting some momentum here, which uh, is great. And I think last week's episode is really going to be hard to beat. We did the movie draft, uh, movies depicting mental illness and addiction. And fun one. It was fun. Um yeah. So we need to think of more creative stuff like that to do. Any <clears throat> suggestions, definitely encourage those out there to comment uh, on either YouTube or our Instagram. Uh, Mind Soul Connection is the handle uh, on, our, on our website, wherever. We are open to suggestions and we appreciate any and all shares uh, of the podcast. So uh, today, I really want to talk about the nurture part of the equation when we talk about nature versus nurture. A lot of people view mental illness in in this, um, or I should say through the prism of what came first, the chicken or the egg. Um, is mental illness a result mostly of chemicals in the brain, um, genetics, aka nature, or is it mostly a result of the experiences that we have through our lives, um, how we're treated by others, nurture? Um, and so I think the answer is, is that it's an interplay of the two. And I think that's what you would probably say, and, and, and I'll ask you in a minute. Sure. Um, but today I want to focus on the, the nurture com uh, component, which basically means I, I want to know what in your view, Ben, are the top um, uh, components of the environmental and um, and social world that we live in that drive mental illness and, and recovery as well. Um, so before we get into what your top uh, sort of components are, um, what 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 is it is it nature is it nurture is it both yeah i mean <clears throat> i i mean it's it's absolutely both i mean uh you know you you can um you know you you can see that um just in any literature or or treatment program or you know if you interview families um absolutely it's um it's uh it's it's both do you think though that certain diagnoses are more driven, you know, on the whole, are more driven by nature versus nurture, right? Like we could talk about, and this is again my layman perspective sure. from what I've seen sure. at the Sylvia Breath Mental Health Center that something like schizophrenia feels more like nature, right? Like genetic and yeah. or chemical, yeah. And obviously, trauma, I think by definition, is nurture, right? So, so let me let me let me um, categorize it for you. So if you take, if you take it from a clinical perspective and you, you take um, access one, which is thought disorders, right? That that's nature, right? That's, that's chemical. Um, probably 90% of people diagnosed with the thought disorder. It comes from DNA, genetic makeup, all of that stuff. Um, as you get closer into mood disorders, and per, so you have, so then you have, <clears throat> you also have mood disorders and then access to is personality disorders. Um, you, you move into nurturing, you know, you move into, um, <clears throat> you know, the view of the world, 
you know, the view of, of self, the view of others. And a lot of times what's happened to that individual in that, in that viewpoint, what, what has, what has um, basically defined them? What, what, you know, what, what experiences have they had? And that's a good way to kind of separate the two um, when you're discussing nature versus nurture. Now, that being said, um, <clears throat> there are times when things like schizophrenia, it, it is part of nurturing um, because it's, it's, um, it, it could be um, an environmental thing um, where a person is experiencing a certain type of communication. Um, and I'll give you an example. Um, a type of um, a type of communication that that impacts um, somebody profoundly is what's called double bind communication. And double bind communication is you're giving two messages at once. So imagine every day of your life for the first 18 years of your life, every day, 100 times a day, you're getting a double message each time. So I'll give you an example. So a mother says to her son, come here, I want to give you a hug. And the son goes and the, the mom hugs him and whispers in the ear, you're fat and you smell, pushes him away. Come here. And so the son is sitting there going, what, what the hell? Like, and how could I be mad at my mom and all this? That could induce some of the, some of the more powerful thought disorders, some of the more powerful mm. um, um, mental illnesses that, that we deal with. So it's not always, you know, it's not always uh, nature, not always nurture, but I just wanted yeah, to give you yeah. that example. It's certainly not cookie cutter. That's, no. um, I've learned a lot in the last couple of years um, on that. And, and that's part of why like, you're so big on the right diagnosis. Um, because it, it is, uh, there is a feel that you need to have to be a really good clinician, to be a good doctor. Um, there's a gut level component to, to all of this. Um, and so what, Ben, would you say are the top, call it three to five, environmental and social influences that impact mental illness? So, so I want to define it this way. Um, I want to define it through... Um, are, are we helping or hurting? So that's, that's number one. Num number two is, is the environment safe? And number three is, what is the foundation? Mm. So helping and hurting is, um, you know, we're, you know, as parents or as nurturers, you know, your, your son or daughter, you know, falls, skins their knee, your natural tendency is to go help them, you know, and pick them up and clean up their boo-boo and, and all that stuff. So do you still do that at age five? Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. Do you still do that at age 10? Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. Age 15? Yeah, okay. Age 20? I don't know. I think he can kind of get up. That, that, that's, that's where it starts to shift between helping and hurting. Again, I'm giving a simplistic example of skinning your knee, but I think you understand yeah. where I'm going with it. So, so that's, that's a major factor. The second one is, is, is safe. Um, can I be... Can I be the person that I am? You know, can I be my actual self versus this fake self or what or what some psychologists call pseudo self? So I'll give you another simplistic example. You're sitting at the dinner table and uh, little Johnny burps or he farts. Right. And he's and the father leans in and says, if you do that again, I'm going to smash your head in. Right. So now now Johnny goes, oh, shit, like, I don't know if I should be doing that. And maybe he does it again. and He gets blasted. Um 
So now he has to, he's slowly but surely becoming this pseudo self, right? He can't be his natural self. So it's not safe for him anymore. He has to protect himself from the wolves at the door, right? And again, simplistic example, but I think you understand. The third one is foundation. I, I had mentioned this in another podcast, but but being your roots and being in one place and having consistency uh, or constancy um, um, is one of the psychological terms. It, having that foundation is is critical to to the environmental aspect that you're talking about. Um, it, you know, am I helping or hurting? Is it safe? And then this foundation that I have, all right, we're going to be here. This is my home. I can plant myself um, massively important. So th those are really my, my, my top three. Yeah. And so all of that though is within the home, right? It's sort of like, um, I think what you, you're talking about nurture in terms of upbringing, right? So right. it's a, it's a, and you're really big on family systems, right? Yeah. So do you think that family systems and the way in which you are brought up from, you know, call it birth to a certain point in time. Yeah. Do you think that that drives the vast majority of whether someone has an illness or, or not? Cause like in my mind, when I'm saying, Hey, you know, give me your top, right. I'm thinking, well, there's family, there's finance, there's romance. Right. right, and, right, and right. I noticed it's very interesting because I think it speaks to the fact that you're so talented with families and you're so into family systems that that your answer result um, um revolved around that specifically right and and so yes i mean to, to answer your question um you know your your upbringing um i mean it's a it's a massive influence and what's fascinating to me about it is that you could have two siblings um, and really they had two sets of parents, right? Like, uh, the older sibling may have experienced one thing and then the younger one experiences another thing. Um, and that's why, you know, it's not cookie cutter. Um, it's not, you know, one size fits all. Um, the parents may have taken a different approach, which guides, you know, what has happened to the person. Um, maybe there's certain events, um, that, that happen in a certain time period, um, you know, that are going on. Um, you know, maybe not, but that hundred percent, um, your, your parental influence is massive. And I think that's interesting because I think that it's not mutually exclusive, meaning you're talking about sort of the fabric of their, uh, view on the world, their, their natural set point in terms right. of how safe and secure they feel. When I say like finance and romance, right. When, when I work with guys in recovery, like we often talk about the fact that those are the two biggest things that we tend to have fear around and the two biggest triggers. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, having, um, uh, limited funds in your bank account or not going out with the girl that you have a crush on, um, that can certainly like exacerbate whatever your set point is. Yep. But, um, don't you agree that like something is fundamentally off if it's going to impact you to such a degree that you're going to go on sort of like a mental health tailspin. Yeah. Yeah. No, I no, no, for sure. And, and I wanted to also make a comment that, you know, if, if, you know, you, you grow up in a household, whatever it is, um, one of the things that it's supposed to do is prepare you for the world. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And what we do um, consciously or not is we reenact wherever we came from, we reenact it. We reenact it with our relationships, with our education, 
with our with our social activity, with friends, um, wherever we go. And if it doesn't compute, then there's there's stressors in 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 our life, which also could lead, if it's not dealt with, could lead to depression, anxiety, drug use, um, all of that stuff. You know, for for example, if a if a person grows up in an environment where they've never heard the word no, and then they go out to the big bad world and all they hear is no they're going to have a problem with that. Mm. I mean, that's going to lead to some, some issues, you know, whether that's, you know, anger, whether that's, you know, anxiety, whether that's drug addiction, um, that, that is definitely going to uh, be dysfunctional. Mm. So uh, in my mind, um, trauma Mm. is again, sort of like the epitome of a, of a, of a nurture type Mm. driver of mental illness, right? By definition, it's something happened. Right. We talked about that, I think, on episode three or four, um, that it can be it's really about how it's experienced yep. and how it lives on really in the mind of somebody. Um, do, do you find that that word trauma is overused? Is it is it underused? Um, is that as commonplace as as it as it seems where that something happened? Yeah. And as a result, it's driven them into depression. It's driven them into anxiety. So, so it is overused. Um, you know, the word, the word trauma is, um, it has negative connotations. It's terrifying um, to experience a trauma. And I do believe that now it's, it's sort of like, a, a, you know, it's everybody's favorite flavor and, and, and everything's a trauma. Um, I don't, I don't adhere to that. And so, and so the way that I move around that so that I don't offend people is I like to discuss the meaning. Well, what's the, what's the belief? What's the meaning behind what you're talking about? And, and what can we do to, to have, to rewrite your story? What can we do to have a different narrative? And and that's, that's where the, that's where the magic happens. Because if I hone in on, okay, yeah, it's trauma. And I kind of, you know, I kind of just, you know, collude with the patient or family on this is trauma. You know, I got, I got a paper cut. It's trauma. You know, I was late for school. It's trauma. I was, you know, fender bender. Trauma. And no, I want to know the meaning behind it and and the belief system that we have. That's the stuff that sticks with us. That's the stuff that still to this day. You know, you know, you know, maybe you know, you had a thing with you and your brother. And to me, if you told me, I'd be like, yeah, so what? But to you and your brother, it it, it meant something. Yeah. Right. And that you're still to this day, you, you know, you struggle with it. You know, I, I, I let go of your hand, you know, on the, you know, on that cliff and, you know, and you, you know, you fell 20 feet, you know, and I thought you were going to die. And I still, I still have nightmares about that. Like we, we have these, you know, we have what, what's the meaning we attach to it. And then unraveling that meaning is so powerful, you know, kind of putting it in its place in its right bucket. Mm. So obviously when I think about, um, drugs and alcohol yeah right that on one hand is environmental i guess right but it's impacting your brain chemistry as well so it's sort of a combination of both and it goes to the chicken or the egg conversation right did did it tweak your chemistry to the point where you know you you started experiencing mental health symptoms right so we could talk all day about that um one of the things that i'm seeing though you know being that we're a primary mental health facility is that the weed these days like it's not a. Uh, it's not your grandfather's. Weed. I was going to say your father's not, weed. No, it's not. 
No, I it's mean, not. you know, back in the day, you know, smoked a little weed, chilled out. Whatever, whatever is going on now. Yeah. I mean, things are a lot different since we hung up the cleats, but yeah. it is uh, provoking some sort of delusion, schizophrenia. I don't know what it is, but are you seeing a lot of that? I am. Um, I read recently, I read a, a report that the, the weed smoking is very similar to the, to the opiate high hmm. that, that, you know, that perhaps you and I um, used to get. Um, it's, it's pure. It's more powerful. They have, you know, an abundance of strands that, you know, people use. Um, golly knows what's, what they're ingesting and how it's impacting, um, you know, brain chemistry. I know memory is being impacted, um, you know, greatly. Um, it, it, it has to be impacting the, the, the brain chemistry, as you alluded to before, especially with young folks whose brains are still developing. So it, it it has to it has to be it has to be a consequence to, to all of this. And so if mental illness is exacerbated by an environmental factor or a social yeah. factor, uh, is your view that a clinical approach, whether whatever modality that may be, yeah. and a spiritual approach is the best avenue to attack it under, and that medication is more addressing the symptoms of it? So so I think that the first thing is, and if we're talking about any type of drug use, that needs to stop, right? The, the, the drug use um, or abuse or dependency, that needs to stop, that needs to be arrested. Um, and then the rest of it can follow, um, you know, whether it's, you know, clinically, whatever, whatever again, whatever modality, um, the spiritual component is never gonna be, um, never gonna be a bad thing. The, that's how you you um, you assist people, individuals, and, and families. Um, and then the medication might be necessary. Um, the the fact is is that medication that the reason that people use medication is um, is because their brain chemistry doesn't produce um, a certain chemical. So naturally, let's use a medication that produces that chemical that gives you more stability. Yeah, th this is, um, we, could, we could probably go on all day about this. Um, do you think though that today, and you know, not to be like a you know, grumpy old grandpa, but do you think that society and, and today's environment is more prone to cause mental illness? I mean, we could talk all day about what are the differences between today versus, you know, yeah, 30 yeah. years ago. And then say, and, and I don't know, look, there, there could be a number of things, right? Like yeah. it's more uh, for a lot of, like you say, it's for a lot of the uh, good and bad reasons. Mental health is very much at the foreground of the social conversation today. So part of it, too, is that the stigma has likely been reduced. So people are talking about it more. Um, but there's probably a component that between you know, one of the things that pops into my mind is technology. Yeah. Um, technology can't be helping, right? I mean, when you're, and there's a social element to it as well, right? When you are feeling depressed and isolated, and especially if you're like a teenager and you're looking at your phone and you're seeing the cool kids or, or the girls or whatever it may be doing something and you're not included, that can only exacerbate um, whatever you may be going through, right? Yeah. So technology... Um, 
can't has to be a big driver, probably negatively, right? Irresponsibility. I mean, a hundred percent. It's it's a massive driver. It's causing suicides. It's causing uh, different degrees of mental illness. Um, it and it's not going away. It's not going away. And you know, you alluded to you know the mental illnesses that are out there now. I don't. Um, I'm going to say something a little controversial, but the gender identity and identifying as he, she, then them. Um, I'm seeing a lot of that in our, in our, uh, you know, treatment center. And I'm seeing that, you know, nationally, I don't know yet if that is just the identity of this generation and, and they are um, sort of, you know, becoming, or this is a mental illness that we haven't seen yet and mm-hmm. that we're dealing with it. Um, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to stop short of of saying exactly exactly where I think it's at, but um, but it's it's I see these people really struggling, sure. really struggling with you know with look at me you know I'm a person and 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 I I have an identity and I mean something and um, you know I'm, I'm sitting here going why do you you know why do you need to, to do the things that you're doing um, and so. I'm leaning towards the mental illness part of it, but well, I still it's, it's in the DSM. Isn't gender dysphoria? There, there, yeah, there, 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 that is in the DSM. But I just, I don't know yet. Yeah, I don't have enough. I don't have enough data yet to say yeah, these people are are mentally ill. I don't think that's fair. Right? I don't think that's a that's a fair thing. I I want you know. On the other side of me is that if you identify as a table, then be a table. I, I don't. I don't care. You know. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people will will take different uh, angles at assessing that question. Yeah. Um, regardless, you know. Yeah. We, we, uh, you know, we, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, but I, I wanted to say this to you because we're talking about nature and nurture. You know that that COVID, COVID messed us up. Like, like I, I think that literally, and, I, and, I, and maybe I'm going to be too simplistic, what I'm going to say is that we were, we isolated ourselves. And we dealt with this virus. And I think people had too much damn time on their hands. Mm. They stopped working. They started thinking too much. They started doing things that they wouldn't normally do. They didn't socialize. And we need to socialize. And and from there, there has been a marked increase in this, in this um, gender identity, in depression, in anxiety, in trauma um, than, than we've ever seen before. There's a spike. And, and that has to be one of the markers that we're dealing with, has to be. COVID, uh, and I think you kind of paired that with the technology aspect of things, right? You're sitting at Insanity. home, you're scrolling on your phone. It's not good. It's really not. And no. I think that uh, social media and technology actually has added a lot of great things to society and to our lives. Um, but there's certainly the flip side of the coin, which uh, which we've talked a lot about. So. Any um any concluding thoughts on on sort of anything else that that comes to mind? Before I, I we do want to share. Yeah, I do want to share one thing. It's a personal uh, personal little story. My my niece, um, uh, my my brother's kid, um, she she killed herself a few years ago. Uh, she was a twin, <clears throat> um, and uh, Samantha was her name. Anyway, uh, nice nice girl, um, and she was in some type of relationship, and a lot of it was on social media and heavily influenced by social media. And I was at the funeral and there was about 30 of her friends were there. 
and I I said to them like like what happened and and they you know after a, you know, after a little, little bit of time of being uncomfortable they all said that that you know that social media did mm. did, did her in so to speak mm. made her think things that maybe she wouldn't have um, definitely influenced her um, you know if you look at her her Google research and, and, and all of that um, you know that you know like like you said that there's an image that we tr- we like to portray and I don't think that she met that image and unfortunately you know she you know she killed herself um, so it's, it did it, it's home uh, it's tragic um, but uh, like I always say we have more to do yeah no I um I think it, it, it it's additive um, to an extent, but if you become consumed, I mean, we're seeing a lot of gaming addiction, social media addiction. It's yes. probably the social media. Stuff. I mean, I have eight hours a day on my phone, like of screen time, I think, right? Like that, that that's a lot. Now I'm not staring at it for eight hours, right? Sometimes I was listening to music at the gym, right. um, but it feels like a little it, bit. We're much. on our phones way too much. I mean, I am, you are. I'm obsessed. The, yeah. Yeah, of course. I've been on silent retreats where there's no phones, right? And and and, and what that. you notice is that for the first day, you're constantly grabbing. You're like, oh, I don't have that. So it's certainly a distraction. We're a little spoiled. I mean, I mean, uh, I want information in seconds, yeah. and, you know, and you just Google it, and it's there. I saw a meme the other the other day. It was like, I, I wonder why I can't fall asleep. Like I have this light in front of my face with literally all the information in the world, like at my fingertips. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I look at my phone and I'm up for an hour. You know, that's not good. No, it's um, not. It's really not. So I would love to get to a point where we're kind of living in a more, um, you know, natural, organic way and like, have, you know, focusing, being present, focusing on the relationships that yeah. we have. I don't think we're going to move back in that direction, unfortunately. But um, yeah, unfortunately. You know, I'll give you an example. I'm going to the mountains next week and I'm really hoping that I don't have service, but I have anxiety. I hope you that. do have service. Exactly. This is exactly my point. And I have anxiety over it. <laughs> so I'm already thinking, let me tell you what I already thought. I wonder if there's a landline and I'll give Jamie the phone number to the landline in case I need to speak to him. Yeah. I mean, so it, 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 that's how much it influences yeah. our, our thought process. We need like a Sylvia Breathman owl where I could just like send it to you. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get that. Yes. Um, it'll be our mascot. So, right. um, all right. Well, this was super uh, insightful, and um, I don't know if we're moving in the right direction or the wrong direction. I think we're moving in the right direction in terms of being able to treat some of these uh, the byproduct of some of these environmental factors that drive mental illness. And I think we might be moving in the wrong direction in terms of the the number of different things that could really exacerbate and push people in the direction of feeling more mentally unwell. Hmm. Um, so we'll have to see, you know, more will be revealed, how everything unfolds, uh, regardless, as always great conversation. Yes, um, thank you for all the listeners and watchers. Again, uh, if you are somebody that, you know, needs help, uh, we are standing by to be helpful at sylviabrathman.com. Please watch, share, comment on the podcast. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. Uh, our website, of course, uh, Spotify, Apple, really anywhere that you might watch uh, any sort of media these days. So thank you very much and look forward to next week.